0: Welcome to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. Today we've got an amazing message of hope and healing just for you. God's word never returns to him void, so let this message sink deep into your heart so that you can walk out your complete healing journey today. Hi, guys. Um, My name is Sharon Rhodes, and I'm so excited to be with you, and I really hope my stories and Things the Lord has shared with me will encourage you and help in your healing journey. I know that God has done so much for me personally and my family, and I just want to share with you that there is always hope because Jesus is on the throne. So let's, uh, let's pray together today. Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you that you are alive and well. Lord, we thank you that you are true, that you are real, that you are the most high God. We thank you that you are the healer, Lord. I thank you that you see everything, Lord. You heal all of our diseases. Lord, I thank you that you have provided for healing for every part of our being, for our body, soul, and spirit. And Lord Jesus, you said you would not leave us orphans. You would come to us. So you uh, have sympathy for us. You have mercy for us. You know what we go through, Lord Jesus. And I just thank you that you are always good, no matter what. We just bless your name and just exalt you today together in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, sometimes that's just a choice we have to make. We don't feel it. But, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it, whatever is going on. You know, some of us might not be feeling great today or we might have other things happening in our lives and it's not looking good, but, you know, God is on the throne and He can do all things. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Um, I want to start today with telling you a story about, um, I have three sons and they're all men now. And and I know I look 27, but (laughs) no really. (laughs) Yeah, but I have three men sons, and um, my youngest son Joshua was born uh, very prematurely. So I'm going to tell you that story today. Um, so let me just start out okay. So I had my first two sons, Malachi and Seth, and actually, those were super like normal, pretty much pregnancies, no big deal. My second son, actually. Um, Well, that is actually a story because God did something there, too, because he was shown to have a hole in his heart while he was still, while I was still pregnant with him, and the doctors were like, oh, you know, we're going to have to have a heart surgeon at the birth and all this stuff, so we were all ready for that, and um, one of my doctors actually said to me, Sharon, don't worry about this, like, we shouldn't even be looking in there yet, and I honestly don't think my doctor was a Christian at all, but he said, you know, God's not done in there. And um, so, don't worry about it yet. And we prayed for healing. And honestly, when Seth was born, there was no hole in his heart. So God healed Seth um, while he was, while I was, you know, still in my tummy. Um, but with Josh, um, I had a normal pregnancy for a couple weeks. And at about week nine, nine, week nine, I was driving to Whole Foods, and I just felt a shift in inside like I just felt a shift like huh something's not right and so I decided I'm going to go to the bathroom when I get to Whole Foods and I went and I was totally bleeding badly everywhere so um I called my husband I came home and we went right to the hospital we got someone to watch our other boys we went right to the hospital and it was a holiday weekend uh, some Memorial Day or Veterans Day I always get those confused but um So my normal doctor wasn't there, and some doctor on call gave me a, you know, ultrasound and goes, yeah, well, everything looks fine, you know, but just take it easy and everything. I'm like, but I'm totally bleeding. He's like, yeah, but you know, you're probably okay, just kind of take it easy. I'm like, okay, so um, I went home and kind of took it easy, and then I just kept bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. And this is really weird, I mean, I was younger and I wasn't super, you know, fighting for my rights like I do now, but um, I, you know, during the week I called my doctor. I said, hey, you know, I'm really bleeding. And he's like, oh, it's okay, you know, you're you're fine because my other two pregnancies were so uneventful. Okay, guys, that's not okay of the doctor. Let's know that now. I mean, now I would be like getting in second opinion and making sure I got in there or something, but, um, I don't know. So, but he's like, I'm sure everything's fine. You know, you're fine, and and so um, he didn't make any, you know, appointments or anything. So I didn't get in with my doctor until I had an ultrasound appointment um, with a different doctor, and I think that was probably about. I can't remember. This was a while ago, ten to twelve weeks. You know, because you get to find out the sex and everything. Of the, of the baby, which is a boy or girl. And um, so <laughs> I went for that appointment and this doctor did the ultrasound and um, things, things were very solemn. And he left the room, came back in the room, and he said, let me just ask you this, um, do you wanna keep this baby? And I was like, of course, of course I wanna keep my baby like okay because this is going to be rough it's going to be a rough ride and um and I, and so what happened what had happened was i had a placental abruption so what that means is so you know there's the baby in the sac and the placenta is what feeds the baby and and that's the that's attached to the uterus which is attached to the mom you know and so the placenta was pulling away from the uterus which means if the placenta pulls away from the mom, then the, there's no life, right? Um, so just like if we pull away from Jesus, there's no life, I mean. But that's what was happening. And so my body was making a blood clot to fill up that area. And it was kind of gross, I'm sorry. But um, some of these other stories have been really gross too. So anyway, I had this thing happening. So I was bleeding with this blood clot and then also the bleeding, like my body trying to push out the blood clot was making me go into labor and all this stuff. So I was still really early, still in, you know, first, maybe the beginning of my second trimester. And um, so anyway, we decided, yes, I'm gonna keep the baby, I'll do whatever it takes, like whatever happens. And we were supposed to go on a trip that night and the doctor said, you're not going anywhere and if this gets any worse at all, you need to be admitted into the hospital. Well, I ended up in the hospital that night. Um, So I ended up in the hospital bleeding to death, and honestly, and I think I was in the hospital for about a week to 10 days, and um, I almost had to get a, a blood transfusion, and that scared me to death because I believe that life is in the blood, and I was like, where's the blood coming from? Like, oh, I just didn't want anybody else's blood in my body, and. Um, but I was bleeding to out, you know, basically. And I didn't know that this baby still was just staying alive in me, this strong little fighter dude. And, but I just, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I just remember waking up out of sleep and my doctor just staring over me like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, you probably should have answered the phone. (laughs) I forgive my doctor. God bless him. But I don't see him anymore. Anyway, so... I made it through that part of um, the pregnancy in the hospital. I did not get a blood transfusion. I don't remember that much of what they did, but I left and I was still pregnant. And um, they sent me home on bed rest. And um, again, and they put me on magnesium. Magnesium uh, slows down the labor, tries to keep you out of labor, but it also makes you really loopy, like kinda really spacey. So people would call and say, oh, you can get so much done now. There's so many books you can read and things you can make. You can get your craft on and everything. And I'm like, <laughs> I kind of can't even think, you know? So, you, you know, you think you would be in the word and studying and all this stuff. And I was just like, just trying to live, you know, like just because you're just kind of on drugs and pregnant. Like it's just the weirdest feeling, you know? So, and I want to say with that, I was really not able to do much, okay? Don't expect too much of yourself if you're the one going through something. It was my, my family and my mom and people like that that really got other people to pray for me. It wasn't me, I couldn't do it, but they got people to pray. And I really believe in the importance of um, corporate prayer and people coming together in unity. I mean, the Bible talks about this all the time, especially in Acts. It says they were in one accord. And the word one accord is like symphoneo or something. Doesn't it sound like the word symphony? It's like the harmonies of us being together in unity make this beautiful harmony to the Lord. and. Um, And that is what he calls us to do, to be in unity, to be in harmony, to be working together, the body of Christ, to lift each other up. And I just feel like with our harmony being so beautiful, it's just kind of hard for him to say no to us, maybe. I don't know. Like, that's kind of how I am with my kids when they're doing something amazing. But that's what we're doing when we're together and, you know, agreeing with each other corporately. So if you can't get you know, you can't get the prayer people going, don't worry about it, but other people around you can get people to pray for you and, and pray in agreement, and there is so much strength in that, and I think, you know, then the angels get activated and start working on our behalf to get, you know, to get God's answers to us, and I don't know how that really works, so that might have been weird theology, but you know what I mean? I just think so much happens in in the heavenly realm when we come into agreement, because Jesus is always saying, you know, to be in agreement, be in unity. The Trinity is in unity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're in unity, always edifying each other and coming together and and, and and being in agreement. And so when we as believers are in agreement, we are being like God. <laughs> I and mean, that's powerful. That's, that's what He made us to be. He, he, he died so that He could indwell us and we could be like Him. And so, anyway. All that to say, my mom and my family got people praying for me. I could not do it myself, and there is power in corporate prayer. So get, you know, so let that be done. So, so I came home, and I was on drugs, like I said, and you know, not recreational, just drugs to try to keep me out of labor and all these things. And my mother in law came to help with my other two children. I love my mother-in-law <laughs> but you know it's hard when like people are dressing your kids in outfits you wouldn't normally put them in you know, ah what are you feeding my kids ah you know so I had to like really die to myself even though I was dying anyway I know it's funny now it wasn't at the time it was hard but anyway but thank god for my mother-in-law so she took my other kids to school and all this stuff she came to help she came to help me I mean that was such a time of um humility honestly like I was bleeding, you guys. Like, I know that's so gross, but I remember one day I'm sitting on the toilet and she's next to me washing out my underwear. And, um, you know, that was just a real, I think the Lord really used so much of this story to just helped me die to myself in a lot of ways, to be able to receive help from other people, to be thankful for from where the help came, um, to see the Lord's provision in His hand, in the body of Christ, and in my own family, and for me to really get over myself, okay? Um, that was just my experience. And so God bless my mother-in-law, but she did. She came and she served me, and then I was on bed rest at home for a couple weeks, and um, and then one day, and they kept saying, if it gets any worse, um, you know call us and you need to come to the hospital well one day it was just you know waterfall and um, Niagara Falls that's what I was gonna say Niagara Falls is so gross but <laughs> so we went to the hospital and I ended up in the hospital until I ended up giving birth so that was a very interesting experience also so I was in the hospital on drugs with two monitors across me all the time 24-7 and um, it was interesting because I really also learned there's good nurses and not so great nurses. Some nurses would wash my hair, some wouldn't. I know that sounds weird, but I really just l- learned a lot about the whole thing. Like each person may have you may have the same job as somebody, but it's the way you do it. I could tell some people were serving the Lord and doing it as unto the Lord, and some people were just man and grouchy about it. You know. Um, But God bless the nurses and doctors. Honestly, I was so thankful for them, especially the ones that really were kind and took the time to give me some dignity, you know. Um, Okay, but then people would come in. Of course, I had visitors. People would come in and um, pray with me. A lot of people prayed with me, and and that was great, honestly, because, you know, it was wonderful. And I remember one day, though, my pastor came in He was a full word of faith, Bible believing, healing, praying for dude. I mean, like he was all about it. He came in and he just looked like he had the wind kicked out of him. I'm laying in the bed like, what you got? Like I was so hoping someone would come in and give me a word. Right? You're gonna live. Your baby's gonna live, or you're gonna die, but your baby's gonna live, and or your something. Like I just wanted an answer. Like. I just, I didn't know, I didn't know what to fight for. I had people calling me going, you know, we're looking on the internet, the odds really don't look good. In fact, if if he was a girl, he'd have better chances. People tell you the weirdest things when you're in the hospital. Let's not be those people, you know, let's just, you know, say as little as possible and try to, you know, come alongside because people say the weirdest things and do the weirdest things, but God bless them. I know they don't mean to. It's like, we just don't know what to do in these awkward situations, but. Um, hopefully this is helping a little, um, anyway, so my, my pastor came in, looked like he had the wind knocked out of him. He says, Sharon, I have nothing for you. I've been praying for a word. I have been praying for something and, um, I have nothing for you. I have, I don't know anything that God's going to do. And I'm so sorry, you know, and at that moment, I was like, oh, it's okay, like, of course, you know. But at that moment when he left, I went, wow, like he knows the word and he stands on the word and he has nothing. And so I remember I said to the Lord, I remember turning to the wall after he left, I was alone in the room with my Bible just sitting there because I couldn't read it because I was on drugs. (laughs) But anyway, I turned to the wall on my side and I go, Lord, what is going to happen to me? Like, what's going to happen here? Can you tell me anything? Like, can you not give me a word? Like, can you not give me a clue? And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, just as, the, just as I was in the boat with the disciples, I'm in the boat with you. He goes, I'm not going to tell you anything else. I'm not going to tell you anything. He said, you know enough already and you need to stand on what you already know. I'm not gonna tell you anything new." And that's all he told me. And at that moment, I was like, what do I know? I don't, I don't know anything. I don't know. I couldn't remember any Bible verse I ever learned. I didn't know anything. So I had to think, what do I know? Because I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't concentrate enough. Nothing was sticking in my brain. And, honestly, you guys, you know what came back to me were I would sing little verses with my kids to brainwash them to know the word. But I would sing, um... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who strengthens me! I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me who strengthens me! I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then, and I would sing um. Uh, what's the song of the joy of the Lord is my strength, but I would do songs, and I could. I was remembering these songs, like from when I was a little kid, or songs that I would sing with my little kids, like Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. He asked for alms and held out his palms. And this is what they did say silver and gold have i none but such as i have give i thee in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk he went walking and leaping and praising god walking and leaping and praising god in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk so <laughs> that was the wrong key but you know what i mean though I would sing those songs, because that's all I could remember. And, um, and clap your hands, all you people, shout to God. And I, those, I'm serious, like those ones you learn in kindergarten. If you're lucky, that's what was coming to me. That's what I had to stand on. But, you know, I was on a walk one day with Julianne Hartman in a bad place. I was in a bad place. She wasn't. <laughs> you know what she said to me? She said, Sharon, this was after all of this stuff with my baby and all that, way, way after. But she said, Sharon, you may know more of the word than I do, but I believe more of the word than you do. So you guys, (laughs) is that huge? Whatever measure we have is enough. Whatever measure of faith we have is enough to move the mountain. of all you know is Jesus wept. That is enough, because that is truth. If you know that you know that you know that, and it's not just Logos in your head, but it's Rhema in your heart, that is enough to move this mountain. That is enough to heal your body. That is enough to make your legs walk. That is enough to heal your marriage. That is enough to get you delivered. That is enough to stop this addiction. Whatever it is, if you know that you know it and it's in your spirit, not just in your head, that is enough. And those verses that I learned when I was a little kid are what came back to me because that's all I had. And also Luke 10, 19. Again, I learned it with a song. What is it? I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will by any means harm you. I learned that with a Maranatha tape. I have a song. I'll probably sing it for you another time. (laughs) But you guys, I just want to tell you this. And I want to tell you this too, because when I was getting ready for this this talk, that boat thing the Lord told me just bugged me. And it hurt. Okay. It was so disappointing. Like I just so wanted someone to come and tell me everything is going to be okay. Let me just tell you this. Nowadays, I still have the boat situation with the Lord. Back then, I had the boat situation, and then later on, now I have these older kids, and so there's different issues going on. Right? They go out late, whatever. <laughs> you know, don't know what they're doing. You're praying. You're trying to sleep, but you're not really sleeping. Bill Johnson says, you only have authority over the storm you can sleep in. Because Jesus was asleep in the storm. In that particular example he gave me of the boat. Jesus was asleep in the boat. I want to read this to you. This is in Mark 4, um, 35 through 41. This is in the New King James Version. It says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I started realizing that The boat thing is a theme in my life. It was a theme during my time in the hospital with Joshua, and it's also a theme now for me when I'm worried about my kids or worried about other things and I'm not sleeping. I have that in my head. I only have authority over the storm I can sleep through, and if I'm not sleeping through this storm, I'm not in my rightful position as a child of the Most High God. But when I was studying for this the Lord showed me I found this edition of the Bible it's called ERV and it's the easy readers version easy, easy readers version and it says um, on this part where it says they so they took him along in the boat as he was like as he was like whatever I never thought about that it says so they left the crowd behind and went with Jesus in the boat he was already in. Do you get it? He was already in the boat. And they came into the boat. He knew there was going to be a storm. He was there before they were. He was in the boat. So he was asleep, but he was in the boat. And they forgot and didn't realize who they were actually with. So he had gone before them in their storm. I mean, the Bible says there's going to be trials. We're going to go through storms. But this made me realize, oh my gosh, Jesus has gone before us in every storm. He's sitting, waiting, and we are not alone. He's not leaving us. He is everything we need in that storm and beyond, right? So that's what I, I learned. So anyway, um, back to my hospital situation. Um, I, so I'm in the hospital, God tells me that, I'm not gonna tell you anything. Um, I was like, great. So, <laughs> so I start just trying to remember everything I can remember. Well, things progress and I, I'm just keeping in labor, I keep going into labor and they keep trying to put me out of labor and all this stuff and one night finally I just, was in labor, and so they couldn't, I was dilating, so they couldn't do anything, so they, I had to get an emergency C-section, and this was at week 24 and a half. So he was supposed to be born in April, and my Joshi was born in December. So let me tell you this story that I forgot about. Well, I didn't forget about it, but listen to this. I can't remember if this was before I was pregnant or just when I was pregnant. My husband was praying and my husband is not Mister like visions and all the stuff, you know. Like he you know, he, he's so open to it, but he's not like, you know, in that all the time. And that's whatever. So anyway, he was praying one morning and he saw the number fourteen floating above his head. This is so I was like early in my pregnancy or not even pregnant yet. He goes, I don't know what happened, but I, I could see the number fourteen floating above my head, and I'm like, whoa, we're probably gonna get fourteen million dollars or something. Like I was like, whoa, you know. Anyway. That happened, we forgot about it, didn't think about it because we had no idea what it meant, even though it was weird, like whatever. So, back to me and labor. So, C-section, we hear Josh's little he sounds like a little mouse, but he scored really high on the Apgar, they whisk him off to the NICU, and then I have to get sewn up and all that stuff, right? So they whisk me off to get sewn up, and then, I'm on, you know, on drugs again, I'm, no, but I'm on morphine coming out of this, you know, stuff from having my C-section, and my husband runs in the room, he's like, Sharon, Sharon, I know what 14 is, I know what 14 is, and I'm like, you know, and he said, I went up to the NICU with Joshua to make sure, you know, they're being alright with our baby and everything, I sat down in a chair to pray and just to, you know, plead the blood of Jesus over our son and I looked up and his station number was 14 in the NICU. Then as my husband's telling me this, his eye turns to the wall calendar, it's December 14th. 14th. Okay, I don't know. We don't know, but we're like, okay. God is in this! God is doing something! We didn't know what. We did not know what. But we knew he had given us a sign and now it started to make sense, okay? So we're like, okay, okay. But we don't know what, we didn't know what was going to happen from then on out. But we knew that God was in the boat! Like we knew he was in the boat, you guys! And so, Anyway, I kinda heal up. Joshua had to stay in the hospital for 101 days. And mistakes happened to him. Nurses fed him too much, he coulda died. He was supposed to have a brain bleed, which he didn't. He was supposed to have cerebral palsy and all these things, which he didn't. He was supposed to have a heart thing and all these different crazy things, which he didn't. Um, and so, cause we had now an army of prayer warriors all over the world, frankly, I have to say, thanks to my mother and her Salvation Army roots, you know, <laughs> they have people everywhere. Um, so we have people praying. Joshua passed every single test. Yes, he had to be on, an, on a ventilator. Yes, he had to be intubated. He, you know, he had a few things. He had like a hernia, hernias, or you know, but not major, you guys. And we brought him home. We brought him home on the 101th day, 101th, that's a word, um, 101st day. And he came home not on anything, no machines, no ventilator, no medicine, and check this out. Our middle son, Seth, was two, I think, by this time. And so my husband, Alan, was watching Sesame Street with Seth that day that Josh was coming home from the hospital. And guess who comes on? But the count. And guess what the number of the day was? You got it. Fourteen was the number of the day. (laughs) Can you believe it? So crazy. So that is my Josh story. So he came home, and um, he was a lot of work. He had to have therapy. Um, He had to have occupational and physical therapy because he. Premies get very tight, and you have to stretch them out. And, all. and I didn't want that. I didn't want people coming to my house. I'm like, no way. Are you, is the government going to be watching me and my children? But you know what? It ended up being a blessing. And um, and he is 20 years old today, and he is gorgeous, and smart, and accomplished. And I have to tell you, he used to play basketball quite a lot, and his lung capacity was better than any of those other like other kids that weren't premies. And the lungs are the what's supposed to be the weakest thing with premies. I mean, the Lord is radical. So that is my Josh story. I want you to be encouraged that whatever you're going through, Jesus has already gone before you and is waiting for you. And he knows what's going to happen. He's ready. He has authority over everything. But also, if you know the Lord Jesus and he is your Savior, you also have authority he gave you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will by any means harm you. That is the truth. That is the Word of God. And I just wanted to urge you to be like a child. Maybe revisit those, you know, those songs that you learned when you were a baby or a kid and, and or that you used to sing to your children. You can put on those annoying song tapes we used to put on for ours with, anyways. But they get into your spirit and you know, that's life. Once it's in there, you can stand on that. Just like Julianne said, you may know more word than I do, but I believe more. And look what look what happened to Julianne. I mean She's healed. I mean, she has a power force because she believes the word. If we believe, and if you can just start believing one verse, ask the Lord for the faith to believe one verse that you know you can hang your hat on, that you know that is the ground beneath your feet, he will give it to you for sure. And we have not because we ask not. He absolutely will give it to you. So I just want to bless you today. Thank you for listening. I hope... Um, I hope you could follow along, and I'm sorry for my bad singing. Um, I'll try to get the melody better next time. <laughs> but let's pray, okay? Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you are our strength. Lord, you are our strength and our shield. Lord, we just love you and bless you. Lord, we receive everything that you have for us today, God. Lord, we thank you that you are our healer. You are our savior, you are our deliverer, you are our friend, you never leave us or forsake us. You're never disgusted with us, we're never too far addicted or too far gone that you leave, Lord. Lord, your hand is is not short, your hand is not too short to save and whatever mess any of us are in, Lord, you see us and you will save us if we cry out to you, God. So we love you and bless you. We glorify your name. We pray that you will be glorified in all of these situations. Lord, whatever the enemy means for evil, you can turn it around for good and we trust you for that. So I bless these people with life and healing, with hope. You are the lifter of our heads. So Lord, lift up these heads today and just, just lift up their head to you to the Most High God. Lord, we just love you. We lift up our heads to you. We lift up our faces, let your countenance shine upon us. Guide us with your eye, almighty King. We glorify you, we love you, you are always good, you are perfect, all your ways are true, your promises are yes and amen. We bless your name, holy, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, almighty God. We hope you got some great nuggets of wisdom out of that teaching. Thank you for listening to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. And don't forget, you can find us live on Facebook and YouTube seven days a week. If you would like to donate, please go to www.healingjourneystoday.com. Isaiah 53.5 says, And by His stripes, we are healed. God bless you.